So I'm coming in hot today. Uh, I'm mad yep. at you. You're mad, mad at me? Yep. Oh, man, why? We've because been talking for like an hour and a half, and you've never once indicated in that time that you were mad at me. Because I'm Spanish, man. <laughs> we know. <laughs> we know how to compare. Wait till you have an audience. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so, so here's the thing. I'm mad at you. Last week on our other show, Movies and Shit, uh, we decided to take a look at a, a single episode of a television show called You're the Worst. Yeah. Uh, which thank you because it's a wonderful show. I, I really, I, I cannot, I mean, I'd seen parts of it before. Yeah. Got me real I, sad. I feel I just, like so far this conversation's going in a good yeah, direction. No, it's for really me. great. Yeah. 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 So I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, of course. But man. also, oh. fuck you for oh. making me watch this show. Uh, I, you, you're responsible for me doing a really bad thing today. Maybe not bad, but like certainly mm. a dumb thing today. Which is like, so wait, I, I'm responsible? Yeah, yeah, you are. So, like, uh, so, so, where's my burrito? Usually, I mean, we get serious sometimes, but generally, it tries to be funny and shit like yeah. that. I don't, you know, I don't like to talk about uh, too many past blunders. Are, but are, are we in the in Christian's court right now? We're in and, Christian's and, court, and you've just rendered like like a, a guilty verdict on me. <laughs> yes, you're done. <laughs> no, this is all about me. It's all about me. Which is like, listen, okay. man. So you know this because you were in my life at the time. Mm. Uh, I have, I have made some pretty profound mistakes in relationships at times before. Um, and you know, there was a pretty profound relationship of mine and my previous, you know, life. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that I I always regretted. Christian, different relationship. Yeah. Different Christian, different relationship. And I've always regretted it. Not because I'm like somehow unfulfilled or anything like that. Like I adore Dolores. We're getting married in October. I cannot tell you, like I, I don't give a shit about work. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I'm like, I count down like 44 days. Fuck this. Like fire me. I don't need, I don't need a job this bad. <laughs> like, no, but the truth is like, I, I love Dolores. There's nothing to do with her. And she wouldn't be particularly thrilled with, uh, you know what I'm going to say here in a second, but fuck it. Like every secret I have ends up coming out this podcast anyway. So yeah. like, does, does what does it matter? Listen to this. Podcast? I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know for sure. I hope not because I feel like, you know, I'm able to you say shit pause here. for a minute and confirm that before you say whatever. You're no, about. I'm ready to say what I'm going to say. It's, it's, it's not, it's not bad. It's not bad. I didn't do anything bad necessarily. A lot what of preamble I, for nothing bad. Right. Uh, okay. <laughs> that's, a, that's a really good point. <laughs> this is, this is, you know, when you're driving on the, like, like on the BQE, you're about to go into Staten Island and they're like, yo, yeah. last exit before the bridge. You got to get mean, off. Like, this reminds me of like when our mutual uh, acquaintance from back in the day, Johnny, I'd be in the passenger seat and he'd, uh, he'd be driving. He'd close his eyes, like go to the steering wheel. He'd be like, <laughs> hey, man, up to you. <laughs> yeah basically i'm doing that to you no but i i got a, i got a modicum of control man because i'm letting jesus take the wheel on this one and yeah. i feel pretty confident i mean look no the truth is i didn't do anything bad what i did was i i i i i reached <laughs> i reached out to someone that i haven't talked to in a very long time uh-huh. and it was better for it right like there was a yeah. good reason that like there was a lapse of communication but it was because i watched this fucking show max because right. you're the worst, and I stated it a little bit last uh, in, in movies and shit. If you want to go listen to the episode, it's like it's such an effective show because you know you'll see yourself in a character in movies, or you'll see yourself in a character in a show. Rarely do you see yourself in every character, some version yeah. of them, some part of them is some part of you. It comprises yeah. you, and, and that show does have a habit of like blindsiding you because it'll it'll have you laughing at something preposterous somebody's saying, or somebody pointing out something preposterous somebody's saying, and then it'll like get really truthful and really raw like all of right. a sudden uh and and you know so the episode i'm talking about is the season four finale i watched the season four finale and and and, and i don't want to bore people with details if you haven't watched the show one please watch it because there are a few shows in my life that i've ever been like that's a fabric of my soul and that sounds like hyperbolic but like max seriously i 
love this show in a way that I have loved so few things. Yeah, it's one of those shows that like when you try to rate, like we were talking earlier about like, and I know I'm derailing you here, but like top five, like what's on the Mount Rushmore of TV shows and you say, oh, The Sopranos and The Wire and Mad Men, and, like right. what's the best writing, et cetera. But then like a show like this comes along and it fucks all that up because you're like, well, like at what it's trying to do, like this is as good as it gets. Um, I think it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. I think it's one of the saddest things I've ever seen. I think it's never uh, had to sacrifice one for the other. And that's what makes it particularly so amazing. But I'm watching the season four finale. For people who don't know, it's about a couple that gets together for essentially like people who are anti-couples. They don't want to do anything, blah, blah, blah. And they kind of learn how to be people and learn how to trust and, 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 right. and you know, all, like strings attached sex thing, pretty which much. is the biggest myth of our whole yeah. generation, by and the way. And then they kind of <laughs> move in together, but it's like a goof, you know, and then it turns into a real ass relationship where they care about each other. And this whole, I think, I think the show exists in two forms there's, there's before uh, Griffith Park and then after Griffith Park. And so the point is, like, after a year or two, three years essentially of like, oh, uh, they're a couple, but they don't take it seriously. Oh, they're scared to emotionally commit. Oh, they're slightly committing. Oh, this, this, and that. Uh, Jimmy proposes, one of the protagonists proposes to the lady and then leaves her on top of Griffith Park because she, uh, you know, intimates that like, oh, like we're a family. It's more than just us now. Like the concept of family really scares her and uh, really really scares him. And he is going to the car to get a jacket and he leaves her and is Mm -hmm. gone for three months. And that's like where we go into season four. Uh, Majority of season four is them feuding and not being together and Gretchen uh, dating other people and and trying to gain agency and trying to, you know, gain control, blah, blah, blah. I'm telling you all of this because it's very specific to my emotional state right now. I'm sorry. Uh, So season three ends with that, that moment on Griffith park where, where Gretchen's like, Hey, um, you know, it's more than just us. Like, you know, we're engaged, blah, 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 blah. And then she says that whole thing about family. Jimmy had earlier in the season said that he was post family. You know what I mean? Like that, that the idea of family means familiarity, but that's dead and that doesn't mean anything. Uh, this is a conversation I've had. I mean, it's no secret that I don't have a great relationship with my family. You know, like I've always said that you are more of my brother than my brother ever will be. Right. Uh, you know, and, and, and so, the, so, <laughs> You know, I was a person who was kicked out when I was very young and I lived with a girlfriend for many years and, I, and her family became my family and this, this and that. And so the idea of what family is scares the shit out of me. And so years ago, I remember Toilet Monster, a regular fixture of our, of our <laughs> podcast. I should have brought this up on episode 50. Yeah. Toilet Monster told me like she understood how I felt because she saw You're the Worst. This was years ago before I had ever seen it. She had seen You're the Worst. She saw season three and she's like, I know what you mean. Like, I understand why that scares you. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, (laughs) And I was like, bullshit. No show is going to accurately depict what old Christian Torres thinks about anything. (laughs) I can't be classified. My experience is unique. I'm basic is what I found out because I watched (laughs) this and I was like, okay, yeah, that's me. Like, that's what I'm scared of. And her response was the same thing. Now here's, here's the thing. The, the, you're the worst parallels don't end there because as you know, I made some pretty horrific mistakes and like unfair to Dolores, unfair to toilet monster. Like there was an overlap there. Like I was a cheater. I don't like to admit that, but I'm I'm going to admit that it's part of who I am. Right. So why the fuck not? And my, my point is this, that I didn't understand. There was a time, there was this nebulous period for a bit where I didn't know who I wanted to be with necessarily, but I knew that like toilet monster was like, you know, someone who's very significant to me and I wanted to like put it all out there and I put it out there and she wasn't able to forgive. You know what I'm saying? She couldn't get past it. Something I didn't understand until I got to uh, the penultimate episode uh, or I guess the finale. Yeah. The finale of uh, fucking near the worst season four, which is uh, they finally hook up after a whole season of being away from each other. Right. Gretchen and Jimmy. She yeah. wakes up the next morning and Jimmy, who's just gone out to get cafe au lait, all right, going out to get some pastries, wanted to give her something nice when she wakes up. He's gone, but she doesn't know that. And she immediately has a breakdown because she thinks this guy left her again. You know what right. I mean? And it was the first time where I'm like, oh, yeah, I get it. Like, there's no coming back from that. You exactly. know what I mean? Oh. That tie has been severed no matter how much you want to. Yeah. Yeah, and it's the whole time where we, the audience, know that Jimmy means what he means, and we know that yeah. Gretchen clearly loves Jimmy, but she can't get over it, and we're powerless to do anything about it. 
And again, I need to reiterate how much I fucking love my fiance. She's the most incredible person I've ever met in my life. But the idea is that I wronged someone because I was a fucking coward about something. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And years later, after the fact, I'm able to like see a piece of art that I'm like, oh shit. Yep. There it is. Yeah. Like, why was I blind to it? You know what I mean? Uh, And so I reached out to her. I, I, I spoke to her for the first time in years and I just, I said exactly that. And I'm like, I want you to know. And I give her the play by play. Like, I watched the show and I thought, bullshit, there's no way a show could like, you know, classify all of this fucking complication. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, I, I, but I saw it and I know what you mean. And you know what? Coincidentally or incidentally, I know how you feel because I saw this and I think it's fucked up that like art was the thing that made us realize it. But like, you know, like we don't have, we don't have what we used to have, but we have this, this thing, like you're the worst is this weird thing now where it helped us understand the other person a little bit more, you know? And uh, it's like the most bittersweet fucking thing in the world. And that's what Dolores would be mad about. I'm sure she'd be like not happy that I reached out to the toilet monster. <laughs> but it's the, the most innocuous thing in the world. It was literally just like, hey, I'm sorry. I was like yeah, a fucking To literally asshole. let somebody out there know that you see them all these years later and you get it. That, I don't think that they're this horrible person. And that's how it was left. It was left as like me not understanding oh, why. Uh, yeah. Well, Named this person for the sake of this podcast, yeah. So yeah, I'm poor toilet monster who didn't <laughs> deserve that. Like, my point is this, man. Like, it, it, you know, we had a we used to host movie nights back in Florida, man. And I and I'll never forget we showed Taxi Driver one day, and that was the one I was always most proud of because we had a friend of ours who shall remain nameless who really saw himself in that movie, which is a little scary considering yeah. who the protagonist of that movie is yeah but it, it was always it always felt like a victory when i could show like a movie that i fucking loved that people hadn't seen and like somebody like connected to it like that um, oh, I, yeah and i think that's the point it's like you know art is escapism a lot of the time but sometimes it's the fucking furthest thing from that sometimes yeah. it has insights that you can't possibly figure out how to put into words and then someone else did it and they nailed it and it's like yeah what a fucking treasure that show is man because it's like yeah. on paper it's offensive and like oh there's fart jokes and like you know mm-hmm. like 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 i don't know it should be everything about it should be wrong but it's the most poignant fucking thing like it is my comedic big bang like it really is like i love it in a way that i don't love other things you know yeah. and and uh yeah i don't know I, that's the only reason i really wanted to bring it up and i'm and i hate you because it made me do something reckless but i think ultimately it was like a good kind of reckless you know what i mean yeah, it was like I reckless mean, do, you, do you feel better having done it do you feel like it was something that like you needed to do and you've done it and well yeah she i mean she responded back and she said thank you and she understood exactly what i meant you know what i yeah. mean and like that's good again it's 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 the saddest thing in the world because the thing is like the perfect world and i'm friends with like nearly 95 percent of my exes but that obviously for obvious reasons that that, that will never be a thing (laughs) right uh and i just i remember like i sent her that that fucking scene and again this is what killed me it's like they're they're on the mountain they're overlooking the ocean and she's like i'm gonna move in with boone you know uh and she's like why is it because he put himself out there for me and i'm like i've had this conversation like i've had this conversation and then uh you know Gretchen if it's okay one day I hope to still know you and then Gretchen being like that's never going to happen like I've had that conversation dude you know what I'm saying like it just hit in a way that I was not expecting and I was just like fuck me this is like this is the reason why people make art it's the reason why you and I want to be writers it's the if we can affect anyone the way that some of these things happen again when we talk about great films like we're talking about the greats we're talking about scorsese we're talking about like you know david chase uh, david simon vince gilligan mm-hmm. who the fuck is stephen falk where does he get the fucking right, right. to make something to, to so incredible wander in out of the mist and fucking deeply affect people yeah but there it is man yeah. i mean that, that's that's the beauty of you know we talk a lot of shit about the streaming age but that's the beauty of it is that it gives uh, space for shows like this to exist where you know this never would have been greenlit 10 years ago but uh right yeah you know that's an interesting thing do you think uh because of like all, all all the uh the the new streaming services that are coming out and stuff like that that we're gonna get more risk takers like this like as people talk about the golden age of television right and i think you and i would agree it's like when we had that magical now we're in the platinum age well we might be right because the golden I mean, age of television arguably you could say is like oh well right after the 2000s there was that sweet spot where we had the wire the sopranos and deadwood all on tv at the same mm-hmm. time 
and then there was and, another time where we had like Breaking Bad, Mad Men, and the Golden Age of Game of Thrones on. Right. Least. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. So like that was the second Golden Age. So where are we now? And it's like the fact that we have so many different avenues and streaming services is like it's the other reason why I'm just like we need to we need to write and like we just like I've never felt and again you're the worst has really brought this out to me is like they're finally we're seeing art from people who are like roughly our age. That's a show about yeah. 33 year olds, man. Right. But, which makes no. it a lot easier to identify with. Like you saw a show like Friends when you were a kid and you couldn't, you know, make that connection because you were a kid. And I'm not saying Friends is good, but I'm saying like in terms of an equivalent, like that spoke to people of that age group, you know, 20 somethings who are figuring themselves out. And right. Well, and also Friends has a level of artifice. Love. Let's yeah, be, yeah, let's be sure. completely honest. Sure. Right, but right. I mean, in terms of like the television climate back then, it was, right. that's what was coming out. And that's something that spoke to people. And now we have like all these different things coming out that are about, us roughly which i right. think is interesting like we it's, are well it's weird like, because it makes us not the uh underrepresented generation anymore like right. now it's all us like we got about 15 years man it's us yeah and then after that like it's all these new fuckers that i'm scared <laughs> of like so well, yeah, my mean, point I, is like we have the ever show uh, euphoria i think i told you about and it is right. about that new fucking generation and it's literally just kids fucking all the time kids Dark. taking drugs kids taking drugs and fucking well, like, let's be completely honest. Is that not the same? Uh, that's the thing. I feel like kids don't change, man. I like, yeah, like yeah, what's, what's one of my favorite shows or Just one of my favorite films ever? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Dude, fucking brilliant. Thank you. That That's incredibly profound. It's like one of my favorite films ever is uh, Pete Bogdanovich's Last Picture Show, which I have mm-hmm. you to thank for. I mean, it's like one of the most wonderful films I have ever seen in my life. What did it tell me? That kids were doing the same shit in the 50s and 60s and right. 70s that we were doing in the 2000s and uh, they're doing it now. So like Euphoria doesn't scare me on paper because it's like, you know, like it's the yeah. it's like kids, but um, you I know, mean, but that that's an example of someone that's our age making that art though. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I, I think the difference with a show like Euphoria is or our new generation or if there is a difference between generations is that they and American Vandal season two really poignantly puts a capper on this where they talk about like this is the first generation coming out where like from birth like every moment of their lives has been broadcast to an audience of potentially millions right right like everything they've done has been documented everything is out there on display um and that's something that like this show deals with too is like you know just the internet aspect of bullying or you know someone's sex tape comes out or shit like that um that we never really had to deal with. Like kids lived in anonymity for every generation up until this one. And that's, that's something I feel for like kids these days up to a point. No, I mean, I think it's certainly an interesting like paradigm that we're in because like, we can't even like, we understand the back end of it. You know, but we also remember before, like, the internet was a widespread thing, you know, yeah. like, which is I remember, crazy. I remember when someone told me about YouTube, they were like, dude, you got to check out this YouTube. And I was like, what the fuck is YouTube? Right. Like, no, I mean, and, and, and I think, I think, like, anyone who was born in the last 10 years thinks of Netflix as like, oh, that was always there. I have this stupid story where I remember my mom was bitching about, uh, like, pay-per-view charges on something. Right. And I erroneously, as a five-year-old, was like, mom think about how pay-per-view was in the 60s like is in my mind pay-per-view was around in the fucking 60s yeah. like why wouldn't it's it such be an obvious idea how were they not doing it in right the fucking- that's the same thing for these new kids it was like bro netflix is like streaming has been there like when did netflix go into streaming 2007 2008 like it is such a recent advent that we forget how recent it is yeah and uh, when it came out like they were still getting most of their revenue stream from like rented dvds in the mail um right which is nuts. And I remember when Netflix first came out, it didn't really have original programming at all. And it just had a bunch of shitty off-brand movies that nobody wanted to watch. Right. Like, I remember for years, people were like, why would you pay for that? It's just shitty movies, right? And I was like, nah, it's got some stuff. For a while, Netflix offered two different, like, experiences. It's really interesting to be a Netflix, like, uh, you know, client from so long ago to now. Because, like, I back in the day. The ground floor, baby. Yeah, I mean, you and I really were, like, like early yeah. 2000s doing <laughs> doing this shit. And, like, it was so interesting because you would curate a movie list. And, and there was a sense of... Uh, of immediacy there was a sense of appointment uh movie watching and you'd be like right. oh i've never seen this let me oh i got it in the mail let me put it in like yeah, in a like, way that now you certainly don't get something and like you you watch it and because it's there it's not like you have like a whole selection of millions of titles at your fingertips you had these two things and yeah. you watch them and then you return them and then you can get another two things 
I almost wish the streaming service would do that, but you know there would be a fucking mutiny, man. <laughs> like people would oh, lose their goddamn oh. shit. <laughs> you mean I can't nope out of like an episode of The Office ten minutes in and then go watch fucking Chef's Table? Right. No, that's forbidden at this point, man. <laughs> I'm just like I'm thinking about that now because there was such a beautiful curated, like almost insider movie club kind of thing. Like I watched yeah. the premiere of You're the Worst. Sorry to bring it back, but I liked the premiere of season five a lot. Because yeah. it's it's like a bullshit story with side characters, essentially. Like, mm-hmm. like it's people you've never seen before. It's a story about a, a silent film and shit like that. They're curating movies. And, like, yeah. you forgot the back of the day. Like, the purpose of movie store kids who are listening to this that don't remember Blockbuster or shit was that there was a sense of, like, oh, shit, it's Friday. We got to yeah. go to Blockbuster, dude. And you and I had partaked in this so many times together. Like, yeah, when I was, like, living at Tracy's house especially. Dude, like, yeah. I would just fucking, like, go to Blockbuster with you and, like, a couple of our other friends. we get, like, mad blazed on some cheap, shitty weed and <laughs> watch a movie. Some stink weed, yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> no, but it was, like, it was this amazing time to, like, oh, you go and there was appointment movie film. And I feel like Netflix was that for the longest time. Now you've certainly lost that because there's just yeah. so much to watch at once. Like, there are so many, like, again, Rectify, the show that I love so much that I'm like, yo, you should watch it. You know you should watch it. You've heard right. it's great. When are you ever going to watch that? Never. Like, let's be real. <laughs> Possibly never, yeah. And that's the thing is like, and I've said it a hundred thousand times, but like, that's the, the fucking tragedy too of the streaming age is like, I am, I have to be fine emotionally with the fact that I'm not going to see a lion's share of the things that I should see. And, and like, just be fine with that fact, because like, there's just not enough like emotional energy or time in the day to see all of the things that, that need to be seen or deserve to be seen. So, so I had a professor on so many classics on just some off. Well, I've told you that's like a concentrated effort I've made. I've, I've like, I'm going to go back and watch silent films, dude. And I've watched a couple and I really love them. Movies and shit. We'll be doing an episode on uh, the, the cabinet of Dr. Caligari pretty soon, which yeah. is a instrumental silent film. It's one of the most wonderful silent films ever. So they tell me we're going to find no. out if it stands the test of time. But Not my point time. is like, you know, I've, I've tried to go back and do that because you're right. At some point, like, you have to just like, it's the fallacy of sunken costs. I had a professor in college who I kept trying to get him to read Cormac McCarthy. And he was like, listen, I'm 66. Like, I don't have time to read books that aren't great. And that pissed me off because I was like, yo, Cormac is fucking great. Okay. There's like anybody that's great. It's Cor- right. Like any of our, the living writers, like right. Yeah. Uh, DeLillo, Philip Roth is now dead. And uh, Cormac McCarthy period that is it american writers we have no one else like uh and he was just like yeah dude i just again i'm 66 and and that was really profound to me because it's like there is a certain point in your life where you realize i am not going to do that and we usually attribute that not to like movies or books or any of that shit but like life experiences right like mm-hmm. i'm 29 if i wanted to i can go climb everest at 45, the chances are I'm not going to climb Everest. You know what I mean? I got to be real with myself. That, that long pause. I could climb Everest. Furtive glance over to the screen. <laughs> Thank you for illustrating the moment. I appreciate that. No, but it's the truth. It's like it's like the idea that there are like there are moments in our life where we delineate whether we will have an experience or will not have an experience. That's kind of fascinating to me, man. Like yeah. you're not, if you've never ridden a roller coaster, you get to be 65. You ain't, ro- you ain't riding a roller coaster, man. Like, right. You're Mr. Glass and unbreakable at that point. You ain't fucking with a roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That'll probably be like the last thing you ever do at that, at that age. Right. Yeah. I don't man, know. And I, I felt like I was having a heart attack the other day. It really scared me. Like what? I was getting chest pains. Let's hear uh, it. And I was, I was like alone in my apartment um, and I just started getting, ch- I, I'm fine by the way, it was just gas turned out. But at, at the time, <laughs> I felt scary. like I was fucking dying and I was like, oh my God, what if I die right now? Like, what if I have a heart attack? I can't get to the phone. Nobody's here. Nobody's around and I just die in my apartment. And then Dolores comes in days later and finds my <laughs> dead body. She has to deal with that. And that'll First be like- of all, if I didn't hear from you for days, I would assume you were dead. That's where I start is death. That's like- the assumption. And then you work your way down from there. Well, I'm really glad you, you own any the pets. Pyramid, and then you go, okay, not dead, maybe missing. Right. Like then I go into a Liam Neeson taken situation where I'm like, yeah. whose fucking ass do I have to kill to get my max back? But no, I mean, that's the thing I think about it all the time. It's weird because like I'm 29 and like, you know, there, there, there was some Disney channel star that died at age 22 the other day. And I was like, Oh shit, yeah, dude. 
like nothing's guaranteed. It's a, it's a really profound thing. At the same time, the law of averages are definitely on your side. You're going to die an old man in your bed someday. But the idea is like nothing's guaranteed and it scares the shit out of me, man. I have, I have chest pain sometimes. I'm like, I'm going to die. You know, everyone right. in my family has cancer. I'm totally scared. I'm going to have cancer. Like these are things that are very realistic fears, but it's, it's, it's kind of how you like, do you let the fear define you and, and yes. dictate how you yes. <laughs> full stop? Yes. <laughs> I'm never leaving the house. I have no experiences. That's my thing. Like, if they told me I had cancer tomorrow, would I just sit in my house and be like, I'm going to die? Or would I be like, fuck it, I'm going? That's a good you know question. What, I mean? what would you do if you knew you were going to die? If I knew I was going to die, well, what's well, the timetable? Like, <laughs> yeah, let's, let's workshop. I got, I got six months to live. I got and six you, months you got, to live? You got your wits about you. Yeah, what do you do? I don't know. That's a really interesting question because my, it's not about seeing things because like, yeah, like the earth is so big, but at the same time it's small. Like, yeah. I think, I, I think, I think it's image search. What do you need to see it? In your life? <laughs> no, I, I guess what I mean is like, we think about how ex, you know, like exponentially large and ever growing, ever expanding the universe is it's easy to feel insignificant. Right. Like right. I'm a talking ape in a basement right now. Uh, speaking to another talking ape mm, via the computer. You're hard on yourself, buddy. <laughs> well, yeah, I just, I just you're a talking ape in a onesie. Thank you. I am in a onesie for all the Literally wearing a onesie right now. I, I said to him, I said, hey, cool hoodie. And he said, nope, it's a onesie. Got the pajama pants and everything, but it's a onesie. I've been in this onesie for like 48 hours, man. Like That's the truth. I have not got out of this thing. <laughs> because i'm depressed why the fuck should i get out of this man let me stay in my goddamn onesie um no but but uh if if i if i knew i was gonna die it's like six months it's like oh what do you do do you go see the world the world's big but the world is small like you could conceivably if i said in two months i'm gonna see everything worth seeing now that's kind of a bullshit thing there's obviously way more worth seeing in the world uh, existence uh, sentience is beauty in and of itself like of course there's things i would miss but if i said i want to go see the pyramids i want to go see the great wall i want to go see a volcano in iceland i want to go to rome i want to go to paris i want to go to anywhere else okay i could do that in about two months i got four months left what am i doing yeah i don't know probably doing some kind of like florida lottery scam or something <laughs> like florida lottery scam <laughs> yeah man I mean, why not do it a bling ring situation robbing celebrities i don't know like not even like, for the money just for the thrill of it yeah of course man just to feel alive no i mean i mean like that's the thing it's you have six months to live it's like i can see whatever i want it's not gonna change the fact that i'm gonna die at that point it's about giving my life some meaning has my life meant anything in the grand scheme of things no it hasn't. I mean, well, well, here's the thing is like you always say, if I, if I was a billionaire, I would be like an unstoppable evil bastard. Oh, like like this, yeah. this is, this is your Django unchained at this point. Like you're the laws of morality don't apply to you because you know, your life is going to end and you know exactly when it's going to end and it's going to end soon. So are you telling me that you wouldn't take advantage of that and just be like a bastard for the last six months of your no, life? No, I really wouldn't. Like, I mean, no, I'm going to apply meaning and be a good man. And so <laughs> Come on. you want me to be like bad Santa before like the end of <laughs> <Yes>. my life? <laughs> You're already wearing a onesie drinking vodka at six in the fucking evening. Sir, it was like 5.15 when I started drinking. Give I wanted credit. to make it like, sound better than it was, but are you telling me you wouldn't bad Santa that shit? A part changing. of me certainly would because there's no repercussions. The other part of me would feel like the end of my world doesn't constitute the end of the world. And that's important is what do you leave behind? And at that point, the most important people to me would be you, my fiance, right? Dolores, like my nephews. So you wouldn't uh, make like one last great piece of art? Oh, I would try. Certainly. Movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fuck, I wouldn't even go travel. I would just write for two straight months, like, for sure. Yeah. And that's my point. And, kind of, you know, thank you for actually saying that because it brings it back to the year the worst of it all, which is, like, what we need to do is, like, there's never been a more pressing time for our voices. It's now, dude. It's, like, you're the worst is written by a guy who's 50, who's writing about 30-year-olds. But the truth is the euphoria people are our age writing about 18-year-olds. Like, that's yeah. how it works. And so it's, like, there's never been a time for us to, to tell our stories, man. You know what I mean? Like art, like everything's bullshit and like art, like what scares me. And I think I've told you this before existentially and I'm super drunk. I'm sorry. But like, I, I say this all the time. It's like, what scares the shit out of me is that like the law of averages is that there's going to be a black hole that just sucks up the earth one day. Yeah. Right. And if not, the sun is going to swallow it's, the it's earth. It's going to explode. 
I, right? that's, my, that's literally my catchphrase. We <laughs> talked about, like, I need to get a catchphrase. Don't quit before the miracle happens. No, my catchphrase has always been, the sun's going to explode some days. So dot, 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 apply situation here. Isn't that like Smash Mouth, though? <laughs> Isn't that like All-Star or something? When I'm walking on the sun. They had a lot of star and sun. Astronomical <laughs> lyrics. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Smart no, but man. that's my point. Like, yo, if nothing matters, right? Like, and I'm not going to do the angel quote. I'm going to resist the urge to do it. But like, the the idea at that point really kind of comes down to like, uh, you have to create. You have to you have to leave something. Like, you know, 500 years from now, is Woody Allen going to be remembered? I don't know. But 500 right. years from Shakespeare, we're still talking about Shakespeare. You know what I mean? Like, the idea is we put something out there. Maybe it can be resonant for people, but I think more than anything, it's like Woody Allen is like the the cultural vessel for our time that survives. So I'm going to be real pissed. I certainly hope not, but I would say as a writer, name a better writer than Woody Allen in the last 50 years in film specifically. Like Coen Brothers. Who? Coen Brothers. Nah. (laughs) I mean, they're good. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I don't know. The Coen, but no, no, you bring up an interesting point. Hold on, hold on. I want to address this because the Coen brothers, I think, are the most wonderful American filmmakers to ever exist. Fuck Quentin Tarantino. Uh, yeah, no, I agree with you. I think the Coen brothers are incredible. But the Coen brothers exist in a world that is heightened. The mm-hmm. Coen brothers don't exist in a world that is lived in necessarily. You know I, what mean, I mean, doesn't arguably Woody Allen, though, up to a point like Annie Hall is a lot of asides and fourth wall breaks and. You know, sure, but I, I would argue that 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 his greatest contributions to art is not necessarily any hall, even though that's where people go to. I would say it's Manhattan. I would say it's Hannah Hannah and her sisters. Mm-hmm. I would say it's um fucking uh, Broadway Danny Rose, like radio days. It's the minor Allen work that's actually way more fucking phenomenal because it, it, it it's a time capsule. Right. But I mean um, if we're if we're going, you know, blow for blow here, you could also say like No Country for Old Men is like a very grounded film, very minimal, or you could talk about uh Inside Lou and Davis, which is not really existing in a heightened world it's existing in a world with a nostalgic sheen okay sure but let me ask you this and this and there's no right or wrong answer to this but when i think about the coen brothers 1960s it is almost like a marvel ultimate universe 60s you know what i mean like it exists and it looks mostly the same but like it it is different i mean that's the thing inside lewin davis as you know one of my favorite fucking films i think your better argument would have been to say a serious man a serious man is my personal favorite coen brother film like well i thought about that but that's extremely heightened though it's heightened but 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 it, it lulls you into the sense of the setting itself like i feel like the 60s are, that's the 60s to me like in a, in a weird way now every interaction is certainly heightened but the setting itself is very much the same i guess to your point no country is very similar in like that could be in the 80s that could be in the 90s that could be in the 2000s no one fucking knows when that's necessarily set like it is the characters don't even art. know like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it makes fan bills real complicated man. that's the big mystery of the film and you never get an answer what year i did lewin die (laughs) no no i i i think that's interesting and again i'm not taking anything away from the cohen's what i'm trying to talk about is like the bard the bard is strictly writing right shakespeare never directed a play shakespeare wrote the fucking plays shakespeare was on the page so wonderful and so endearing and so everlasting that 500 years later we're still able to talk about it i told you i watched the amazon production of king lear with anthony hopkins to bring it back to tony hopkins which we were talking about off episode but i would watch uh, him read the phone book well watch you know let's do this why don't you watch the amazon version of king lear then he does a really fantastic job they transport it into a modern day london but you know it's still the idea that the written page right the written word has endured Mm. there's only so many people you can say that about in the entire history of writing who has endured right you have uh cervantes you have uh homer you have dante alighieri you have uh jeffrey chaucer I do just want to say that, like, I would love to see a Shakespeare adaptation that takes place during no time whatsoever. I know you were making that joke with No Country. I want to see a Shakespeare adaptation that's literally just disembodied heads in a, in a white void just talking to each other. Because every adaptation is like, what years is it set in? Oh, it's like modern day games. Oh, it's but it's just a floating Futurama head. <laughs> floating heads with some hands green screened. To in. be or not to be, I knew him, Horatio. Just like that, but just floating heads in a yeah, white like Mickey maybe, abyss. Maybe like the green screen could like periodically just do like a photo slide of like images of space from the Hubble telescope. <laughs> you know, just, just make it about the words, man. 
I want to see an adaptation that's just a black screen and just the words, right? Like, oh, just the words. Not yeah, seriously. Spoken, just projected. Well, why can't we push the medium about what about what a moving picture is, right? Like a moving mm-hmm. picture is something you a observe. Still picture. Well, I mean, it could be a moving picture of just black, you know. Yeah. But the idea and just is have that the, black text over that. <laughs> the story was there. You fuckers and couldn't like, see it. That's on you. A play in five acts and just like a three-hour <laughs> black screen. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if Woody Allen fits that bill, but I would say that well, uh, certainly. Uh, well, no, name like again. You could say Tarantino, but I would say Tarantino, and maybe it's unfair. His visual David style Mamet. is so in debt of other people, right? But maybe his writing is wholly original. Like, I don't know who you would say who is our bard of uh, of our time. You know, um, Aaron Sorkin. I don't fucking know. What? Oh my god, <laughs> no! <laughs> like, <laughs> what? No, I'm sorry. No disrespect to Sorkin, who gave us the Social Network, gave us fucking the uh, the not the newsroom, but. <laughs> <laughs> the first three seasons of the west wing i mean like there was some good stuff there like yeah i mean like it just depends on what amount of cocaine he was doing at the time but you know steve jobs dude is pretty lit i think that was zero cocaine are you trying to say there's a correlation between cocaine usage and script mm-hmm. i mean it was super on cocaine for uh the few good men yeah but i mean that was still in his early days when he could handle the coke but right. i think the coke got the better of him over time you know it's sort of like an alcoholic, like where it's manageable for a time and then right. it just becomes a problem. Yeah. Um, like in the back half of West Wing was like, he said literally like, that's what went wrong with that show is like, I just did too much cocaine. Well, in his last season, the last two seasons or someone else, like he, he left the show. He got fired or left. I don't because know. Because of the cocaine. Because of the cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> Vis-a-vis. <laughs> I mean, cocaine okay, could be an aid. It could be an albatross. It's up to you. How do you think albatrosses would feel if they knew that they were like <laughs> the word for? <laughs> we're mythical seabirds. You never see us. Fucking we seagulls. We got a lot of wingspan. You know, we just want to fly around and not be endangered. And you got to like give us negative connotations. Right. And like, meanwhile, pelicans. Fuck pelicans, man. They're the bougie well, fucking well, birds. Like a pelican, you know, pelicans are the worst. Or even seagulls. Are you being Woody they, Allen as a bird? They shit <laughs> off your car. They shit on your head. They try to steal your Subway sandwich when you're trying to eat it on the beach. Come on. All right. They slipped into like an Italian Woody Allen there at the end. I was like, hey, I'm hey, walking hey, here. Or I'm, I'm flying here. I don't know. I lost it. Right. <laughs> you lost the through line. Point is, albatrosses a noble creature. Shouldn't be besmirched by being was rhymes it, of ancient uh, mariners. Was it not an albatross in one of the rescuer movies that was like a main character that would ferry the little mice around? Oh, so dude, I have no idea. People? I haven't those seen movies any of those movies so in so long. Were they good? Really? Should I go back? Dude, rescuers down under, they go to Australia and they have to fight like a crocodile Dundee style character. How they get to Australia? That shit's far. They get on a plane or something. I don't remember Do watching they? the movie. <laughs> Do you remember this show that was on Cartoon Network when we were kids? It was about like mice and rats, but in DC. And it was like about was it like a political thriller. No, it wasn't a that'd be amazing. <laughs> Game of Thrones, but like <laughs> Merchant of Venice with the rats. Like the there's a time. shadow government that mirrors our own, like the rats are psychically linked to the right. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. There was Brock- rat slavery, rat liberation, <laughs> slavery. No, it was a weird show. I think it only ran for like 13 episodes. I would have to look Rat it up. Obama, is that what you were about to yeah, say? Yeah, I was going to say it originally, yeah. No, but it was it, like, first of all, Neil Patrick Harris plays the main rat or mice. Mm. And and he's in D.C. And it's literally just about mice hanging out in D.C. And I think it's about like, I mean, like I remember it being you real know, patriotic. I, I just want to say like, and it's not fair to Neil Patrick Harris because he's like fantastically talented or whatever, but... There's no quicker way for me to lose interest in a project for you than for you to tell me, oh, Neil Patrick Harris is in it. Why is that, man? He's uh, he's good. He's all right. I just heard that he's an asshole in real life, and I'm sure most celebrities are, but something about him makes me really believe it. He's from Albuquerque, man. Uh, that that might be it. <laughs> That's 
<laughs> yeah, maybe he was from Las Cruces. That'd be one thing. Albuquerque was an ocean back in prehistoric times. I found that out because I went to the museum in Albuquerque. Is that why there's all the sand? Just because it's ocean sand? Yeah, dude. It's like so so much ocean, and there's like bone fossils, like the fish bones, cactus. all over that fucking place. Because again, I think we forget contextually that the Earth as we know it. Like, do you ever think that's another thing we were talking about? Like Netflix being a thing that was always the normality in terms of like mm-hmm. evolutionary changes, right? Like. We are people that the earth hasn't changed since we've been alive. But the earth, in terms of the human history, is ever-changing, right? We have new right. islands popping up and shit like that. Like, Volcanoes it's kind of fucking crazy. Off, that, making new land masses. Right. Like, is that, and- is that not weird to you? That, like, you know, like, we, we have an idea of what the earth is, but, like, the earth could be completely different in 100 years, right? Like, it, it could be flooded. Why is that any it less will, natural than will, what we are now? It might be different completely in 10 years is the real scary thing. Yeah, fingers crossed, man. That it is different or that it's not? Fuck it. I think we need some real shit to go down. <laughs> That's what I think. Uh, okay. <laughs> what? I mean, like, what do you think is going to take what? people to change? What? Yeah, I like, what's mean, gonna... I don't. I don't know that we ever will. If that's the case, do you house. think it's like a smoke them while you got them situation? Like, sometimes just... I think that, you know, sometimes I think maybe I should just dedicate myself to alcoholism and just take up smoking again and just fucking say, well, fuck it. Right. I make this joke all the time to Dolores. She doesn't like it, but I talk about my <laughs> suicide and I'm just like, it's the one thing I can control. Okay. <laughs> like, right. Which I love. <laughs> Understandably, she doesn't like that. I get it. But like, why not me? I'm a depressed guy. Why can't I? Why is that my right? Like, why can't I just, if I want to, why not? Why not me? You could if you wanted to, man. I mean, Thanks, what do you want? Man. Is this the part where I say as a friend, like, no, no. don't do it. No, I don't want you to Willy like, Wonka please me. don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Like, Willy Wonka you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. Victoria, don't do that. Oh, oh, <laughs> don't stop. I mean, obviously, I don't want you to commit suicide, but I wouldn't deny you the the right, right. if things yeah. got dire enough. I don't want you to just do it just because you think like, oh, ocean levels are rising, might as well. Yeah, but like ocean levels are rising, right? <laughs> like, what, are we, <laughs> what are we supposed to do here? I, I'm like genuinely concerned, man. I, like, I know that like we've done 50 episodes. This is 51. All right. So like I know that right, this has been a depressing motif. episode yet. It might be <laughs> like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't mean to make it about that. I really am sorry. But my point is like, yeah, I mean like you know, the, the world might be like beyond repair before our lifetimes. Like we, we might not see the very end of it, but we could see like the, eh, well, that's got 30 years left. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, That's true. I mean, by the time that we're, we're social security age, uh, this is going to be a very different America in some way. It's giving me more brown people. I can say that because I'm brown. That's fine. That's true. And I'm, I'm honorary majority. brown, right? Oh, yeah, wait, you no, are. You well, I yeah. revoked it today. I mean, <laughs> you can't be sending Mexican memes, Max. I mean, that's not okay. Like, what are you doing, what was guy? Mexican meme I sent you. You sent the why not oh. both, which is an or- Ortega fucking taco commercial, which I don't think I don't understand the racial overtones there, you son of a bitch. Like, I mean, honestly, I don't. So... <laughs> Max is post-racial. Like you're every hipster in Silver Lake and Williamsburg is like, I'm post-racial while I benefit from white privilege. I literally can't see colors. I'm blind. I'm a blind man. I think that's sweet. I think uh no, 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 no. Hold on. Like I wanna I'm drunk. All right. I need you to help me. I'm listening. I'm sorry. That might be the episode title, by the way. I'm drunk. I need you to help me. Uh, yeah, look, I mean, like, you know, the, the truth is, you know, like, I think hate is something that is classically conditioned. You can be taught to hate, but you're certainly not born to hate, right? Um, I wonder, like, what happens with kids? Like, well, kids don't see race, right? Like, when you were a child, think about it. Really think about this for a second. When you were a kid, you didn't know there was a difference between us, right? Like, there wasn't a difference between you and a black kid. It's like... Well, it's a difference because we're told societally, oh, there's a difference. There's socioeconomic difference. There's barriers, cultural difference. You'll never know what that is. But like, like we're okay. basically the same, right? Yeah. Is that all you have to contribute there? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like, like there's, there's a lot that goes into this question. I was talking to a, um, a friend from work about this the other day and um, just talking about how like, 
you know, our dads are low key racist. And I, and I was thinking about like, why is that? And, and I was thinking like, my dad did tell me once that he had never seen or known a black person until he joined the Marines when he was 19. Oh shit. Like he'd never known one. And, and, and I think that that's the thing like, uh, that's kind of special about the time that we're living in now is that we're way more interconnected. We're like the access points to different people and cultures and ways of life are like right there at our fingertips. You know, like we, we can uh, know people who are of a different sexual orientation or a different culture from a different country or who speak a different language. We can actually know them now. Whereas like a few generations ago, that wasn't possible, right? Like, yeah, a, no, I think that's, uh, <clears throat> that's an interesting point to bring up. I have this like really specific memory of your dad. And, like, I have a lot of memories of your dad. Your dad was around when I was a kid, man. Mm -hmm. He was a cool dude, mostly. Uh, but you and I saw Springsteen on my, like, 18th birthday, which makes us probably the most uncool 18-year-olds ever. <laughs> but but fuck it. Springsteen's dad rock, awesome. Dad rock band, yeah. <laughs> no, but that's the point, is your dad once tried to impress me, I throw with air quotes, by, like, quoting some Springsteen, because I, I had taught, I, it's when I had bought tickets for it, so it was, like, maybe a, two months before that show. I yeah. was like, oh, yeah, I got me and Max tickets to Springsteen. He's like, Springsteen? And he, like, said a whole, like, lyric from Springsteen that I did not know, but, like, he knew. <laughs> and my point is, like, we look at Springsteen as that, like, blue-collar Democratic hero, right? Like, you know, like, uh, but it, the guys, the people that he appealed to, like, your father, I don't think your father's a bad person. Your father never treated me different because I was a different race. Like, I want to give him credit for that, but, like, he was raised in a different time where you're right. Maybe just the access to another was yeah. not there like well, it's a conversation that i've had with my friend morgan who is an out and proud lesbian that like up until i told her like up until i saw orange is the new black with the character boo right i had yeah. never really gotten to know you know like on a human level or see as a human um a woman who acted and looked like that you know those women had never been given a voice i'd never met them in the circles that i'd run in well, it's um, about giving them a, always uh, an, an other to me. Right, right. Well, it's about giving them I a... wanted to be prejudiced. Like there was an inherent prejudice because I didn't understand uh, who they were. I didn't know what their perspective was. Right. And I, th I think it's, it's, it's about, you know, not even about giving them a voice. It's about a story you never knew that you hadn't heard. It's about right. uh, an avenue that you had never taken before. And it's like, holy shit yeah like you know yeah. what i mean like again it's 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 when art informs something like people say all the time like oh what's the purpose of art i mean i don't know i i think like people who make art are people who are like i'm gonna die one day fuck like <laughs> i gotta do something about it but i think the other point of it is like you want to say i was here you want yeah. to be red was here carved into the wall up top you know what i mean and yeah. like if you can ever get get a, get a window into a different world and, and get sure. empathy for a character like that's the fucking point of it man like yeah i mean that that was the beauty of something like like the movie moonlight just fucking floored me and that's a movie well, about yeah. i cried know, so fucking hard at that movie too. and, and it's sorry. like that that's a movie about like a black kid growing up in like the fucking mean streets of miami um, right. who realizes that realizes that he's gay and has to sublimate that part of himself his entire life and the ending is just like a show of vulnerability that wrecks you and at a certain point you forget that you're watching you know a black kid or a gay kid and it's, he just becomes this character and this human um, but before you see stories like that before you encounter people that are different from you like you can't fully understand that experience um, well and that brings me back to my initial point which was in art well, my initial point was like, what about the kids? Like, because you don't know that there's a difference until society tells you, until Democrats and Republicans, until CNN, until fucking, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Heat Seekers 100 charts, billboards 200. Like, you know what sure. I'm saying? Like, like, like before there's a delineation, before Old Town Road can't be considered a country song because of the black guy sang it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there are all these things that like that remind us. Lit, it's a fucking well, Is it? <laughs> I kind of hate it. Like, <laughs> No, but, 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 but like that, that's so fucking interesting to me. And again, it's like geographically, it's like, you know, again, like when we think about race, you know, like is race real? That's a real question. Is race real? Subjectively is race real? Objectively is race real? Subjectively, no, it's bullshit, right? Like objectively, right. it's absolutely real. Like yeah, it's a thing that we have created. Some groups of humans uh, existed in a certain part of the world that favored certain traits. That's literally it. 
Well, dude, I had this real epiphany when I was looking up some history. You know, I'm a big history nerd. I'm also learning Italian right now, and I wanted to learn about, like, Italy back in the day, right? Like, the Roman Empire. Like, well, that's the, the Roman Empire is, uh, what, shorthand for great powers, right? We, we compare the Roman Empire with the American Empire that we're currently in. Like, that, yeah. the, those are the two empires that like, are. Like, fall of Rome, it's going to happen to America. Is well, this it? I'm hoping we swerve that third Barack act. Barack Obama, Rome. more like. <laughs> Barack uh, A. Brute. Obama. Oh, oh, shit. All right. Sorry. <laughs> uh, no, no. But like, I, I looked up like, oh, were Romans white? And they're like, what does that mean? We don't know what that means. <laughs> like, like race did not become a thing. Color of skin did not become a thing. It was just, it was an afterthought. You know what I mean? Right. Like, until America. Like, that's our, that's our real contribution to the world is that we mm-hmm. delineated what race actually meant, dude. I mean, I think it happened before America, though, right? I, well, in terms of racism, in ter- well, you know what it is? It's tied to slavery. Slavery was never about skin color. Slavery was about socioeconomics up until then. There's old slavery. There's new slavery. New slavery began when America decided that black people weren't people. When we, when we put in our, to, into our constitution that these fuckers were three-fifths, you know what I mean? Like, that really changed the game. Uh, not in a good way. <laughs> like, when we talk about game changers, like, Change we should game. do a podcast called Game Changers, and it's just all the <laughs> fucked up moments in history. Like, yeah, I mean, if you if you want to go way far back, like um, that book Sapiens talks about, like what happened to the Neanderthal, and it's like right. they were just a little bit different from us, so we either cannibalized them or we bred them out. Right. Which is no better than the Americans in Puerto Rico, as I talked about the other week. <laughs> like, 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 no, no, it is, but, but. Maybe that's different because we weren't civilized. You know what I mean? This is Gremlins too. You know, with the brain, with the smart what, Gremlin. What's civilization anyway, man? Well, civilization is again is things that are agreed upon objectively, as well, opposed I think to we all, or subjectively, as opposed to objectively. Yeah, we all collectively agreed that those Neanderthals have got to go because they're weird. Well, I mean, they just couldn't believe in creative thinking. That's their like, fault, man. <laughs> Ork turned to Bork, and he's like, bro, I don't like the looks of those fellas over there. We got to do something about that, eh? And he's like, I don't know what you mean, eh? I don't know if I agree with that. And he's like, just look at them, eh? And he's like, yeah, you're right, eh? They're fucking weird. I was going to contribute, but you just did both parts. And I'm like, yeah, I got no dog in this fight. Like, I love it. Like, uh, No, but I mean. Bird I, commentary. I'm doing Ork and Bork commentary. I'm here all week. No, I, I think that's an interesting thing, which is just like, you know, what, is, what does that mean for us I mean, as people? Like, well, we always find a profound indictment of who we are as people. Like, well, I, you're asking me about children. And here's yeah. the thing like, one of my very earliest distinct memories was sorting my toys by color and size. And it's like, maybe this isn't applicable, but it makes me feel like naturally we're just predisposed to categorizing things. And through that categorization, like, creates division i don't know or it means you have autism right <laughs> like you're very organized you're on the My spectrum said it was because i was smart <laughs> blacks go with blacks whites go with whites <laughs> and they misinterpreted it as white supremacy <laughs> uh, no, I, i'll call you a priest <laughs> no I, I i guess i'm just really fascinated with that in general it's just like i don't know will we ever find will we ever get to a point where, where we won't put ourselves in boxes for us to compare to the other boxes on the on the rack you know what i mean like it's it's just a it's an interesting thing to me and i think the kids are largely bereft of that i think you know when they all come out they don't know a difference like you know i i remember this story about some kid he was like three years old who said that he was different from his friend and he had two he had three friends and 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 two of them were white and the other one was black and he said the difference was that he had different hair he didn't think that it was different because of skin color and i thought that was fucking beautiful man because here's yeah. the truth it's like again i knew it growing up but i didn't know like here's an example i got suspended once from school in third grade because i told a girl that she was as black as chocolate which wasn't an insult <laughs> it was just factual <laughs> like I need to explain. I is if anyone who can't see have me have enough self awareness or cultural awareness to know that that was offensive and report it. I had no idea, but the point that's my point. Like, like I remember that girl was like light years ahead of the rest of us. I guess so. I mean, like here's the thing. I remember when my mom was like, "This is speaking to racial inequ- racial inequities." <laughs> Go back 
hundreds of years. She looked at me and said, for 500 years, I've dealt with this. And I'm like, oh, shit. No, I remember when my mom heard that. Like, my mom came to school. And my mom heard that. And when she heard, you're as black as chocolate, which again, not on the surface level, not racist right. this at all. Right, this is like a <laughs> butthead level connection for you. Where you yes. Like, chocolate bar in your hand, yes. you saw the girl. Yes. Back, I mean, back, so I'm just sitting here like, what's the problem? <laughs> but like, my mom. Hey, I should verbalize this. My mom heard it and she audibly gasped, bro. She was like, oh, and I'm like, okay, mom, calm down. <laughs> like, even as an eight-year-old, I was pissed. <laughs> calm down no i mean that's my point because again i'm innocent i'm a baby i don't know the fucking difference and again like i might here's my creed it's not like some uberly progressive uh, motto it's like hey i'm gonna judge you by who you are if you're an asshole you're a fucking asshole i don't care if you're white black fucking it doesn't matter be a good person and treat people well and you're good by me that's all it takes yeah. at third grade i didn't give a shit about being black whatever it got suspended for three days though uh, you know alternately <laughs> Alternately, what I what I've always disliked, and I couldn't verbalize it for a long time. Why is like those kids in high school who acted above it all and said, "I'm not racist. I hate everybody." <laughs> That's like people like I'm not a. I don't offend anyone. I'm an equal opportunity offender. I'm an equal yeah. opportunity racist. Like, it's like here, here's your fucking medal. It's in the mail. Right. Shit. Yeah. yeah. You're so edgy. Those people always bother me. You probably had it worse, man, because here's the thing. I went to Durant High School. You want to talk about different worlds, man? Like, we were – our high schools are probably, like, what, eight, nine miles apart? They're not that far. Uh, maybe more. I don't know. But, like, not terribly more, right? Uh, yeah, that's about right. Yeah. Here's the thing. You uh, you went to a school which was, like, affluent, super wealthy, upper-middle-class white motherfuckers, and yeah. I went to a school that was certainly more diverse, had a big Mexican population and a giant redneck population – and it showed uh, my point is this that like the racial divides were certainly different man you know what i mean you know here's my question that being in that kind of environment like back in the day when we talked about me going to newsome it was always like a sort of offhand point of contention for you like you would never <laughs> want to go there but given right. that you were surrounded half of the population was fucking rednecks like george w bush fucking 9-11 america rednecks Right. Like, would you not have rather gone to a school like Newsom? Or would uh, that have been? Yeah, worse? no, no. I, I, I look, I feel like Durant was great because it prepared me for the real world. I mm -hmm. also have this weird stigma okay. against private school. Dolores went to private school. I went to public school. Yeah. And I would say 100% if I ever have kids, which I won't. But if I do, uh, it'll be like, go to public school. Public school is a microcosm for the world. It teaches you how to talk to other people. And yeah, there were a bunch like of racist in this scenario. Like Newsom is basically the step away from being a private school. It, it kind of feels that way, man. Like, dude, we had a friend who we called Black Britney because she was. That's how black people were in such rare fucking demand that we could call someone Black Britney. When I, I say that now that in 2019, in I want to kill myself. By the yeah. way. Like, but we were all like fine with it. We just casually toss it off like it was funny. That's my um, point. Are you going to tell me that Newsom wasn't essentially a private school? Come on, man. Like it was, it was, it mean, was not it diverse. It a primarily gated community and sure. it was mainly affluent white kids. Yeah. Um, here's what I'll say in Newsom's defense. And this is probably because I was also a white kid. So it was fine. Life is easy for me. I just fucking bumble around everywhere and people give me shit. But it was fine. Like my high school experience was honestly like a largely positive one and people left each other alone. I, I guess like uh, watching high school movies, they like prepare you for this high school nightmare scape where like everybody is subdivided into categories. It's like that scene in Mean Girls um, and probably many others where it's like, there's the cool Asians, there's the jacks, there's the dorks, there's the, the and it's like, everybody just kind of like hung out with each other. And if they didn't, they just left each other alone. Like there wasn't a lot of bullying. Nobody really got into any shit with each other. Like we just all sort of got along and did our own thing and found our own way. And it was like in that regard, like, yeah, high school's confusing for just being high school. Um, but it wasn't that bad. Whereas you, I feel like you had this completely opposite experience where there was like a race war every other day. 
uh, it's not that there was a race war, but like you would go into the courtroom in the morning and you would have two Mexican walls. You'd have the red and the blues because they had subdivided themselves into a gang for some reason. You would have the preps mm-hmm. in the middle of the courtyard. You would have black people at the base of the courtyard. So it was a mean girls situation. You had the preps. Yeah, so. well, if you did a bird's eye view, you would be able to like, ah, preps, blacks, Mexicans. <laughs> like, right. like it, just, it is what it was. And it's very interesting to me. Now, again, you would mingle in class and stuff like that. And that's where, that's where I'm always like, oh, I love public school because it's like i had to learn how to talk to rednecks i had to learn how to talk to black people i like, you know what i'm saying yeah. like i had to I mean, do that, that everything was, that was the army for me probably because i was thrown into right. like a fucking pool of people that were completely different from me right um, but yeah yeah i get you it is an important part of development that i did not go through in high school so uh but again, you, you, it's weird that that's even a thing. And that's my larger point. Societally, mm-hmm. that I think as children, you don't see any difference. It's only right. because society tells you that there are these barriers that you feel like you have to. Like, again, you know how we talk about how genre is the clothes that we wrap our stories in? Like, race mm-hmm. is the, uh, the clothes we wrap our, our humans in. Like, we're people. There's universal stories, man. Like we were just experiencing things all the same. Like, and yeah, the circumstances can change and then the, the, the genre can change, but we're people. So it was the thing. I always loved Durant for that. Like I will never say I regretted going to Durant. I love Durant. I met people that I love more than anything in my life and like taught me how to be a person, you know? Yeah. Like, so I think that's a really impressive thing. I just, I I'm sad because now we're like societally, we're in a different place where it's like, Oh, People accuse the Democrats all the time of playing race politics. And I'm like, I'm not necessarily sure that's the easiest simplification of it. But sure, like, I understand that. But it's it's so on the forefront. Like, oh, you're reminded you're black. You're reminded you're a little Latinx. You're <laughs> reminded you're a white guy. You shouldn't say anything. You know what I mean? And I just, mm-hmm. it's, just uh, it's interesting, man. It's certainly interesting because to bring it back to our parents, it's like our parents couldn't have dreamt of this shit. <laughs> you know yeah. like this is, this is foreign territory man they're fucking horrified <laughs> yeah that the fucking kkk and uh neo-nazi numbers would be growing in 2019 should we be happy that we have the kkk and black lives matter like you know happening concurrently like is that is that good for i would rather just have black Lives matters happening. well certainly but I, in terms of like the promise works freedom of speech but good ideas work you know what i mean like I don't know, man. I, it's one of those things where you have to kind of like chalk up the pros and cons and see what kind of comes out at the end, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for helping me. I can't finish my vodka. Like, well, well, no, because I, I was, I was like thinking, like, uh, is it good that the KKK is growing in numbers if it means that we have freedom of speech? It's not good that it's growing. It's good that we don't suppress. I mean, maybe we should suppress it, right? They were they shut down that one website, that H H N website, which is weird because, by the way, when we were kids, right? Why twenty nine now, but fifteen years ago, I was fourteen. 4chan was a place you went to like get dank memes or something and then uh i mean 4chan's always been a cesspool like i'm afraid to go to 4chan now i always have been because why wouldn't you now it's terrible now i mean it's always been terrible though like that's the thing it had memes yeah it had memes but then it would also have like weird porn mixed i didn't see the weird porn max i didn't seek it I mean, you didn't have to seek it. It was literally like a scrolling, unorganized, constantly you updating. You fucking seeker. Awfulness. Not since fucking Potter has someone been so prolific at the seeker position. <laughs> You're over there seeking all the weird porn guy. Don't, 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 don't bullshit know. me. I don't know why I talk to you anymore. I'm going to be honest. Fucking wearing your onesie, passing judgment while you drink vodka out of a mason jar. Because I'm classy. I'm the Don Draper of onesie wearing alcohol. You just ran out of clean glasses. Wait, what? What? Why are you? Ca- it's a mason jar. Why are you mad at a mason jar? Why are you mad? You ran out of real glasses to drink out of, and you just got a mason jar. Actually, I cleaned this mason jar just to drink out of the mason jar. <laughs> you had nothing clean. Nothing and was you clean. chose the mason jar. Okay, I guess that's. What's that say about me? Better. <laughs> mason jars are used for canning preserves. Are they? Like and then jams? Hipsters, yeah, and then hipsters co-opted it. They're like, what if we opened a restaurant where we drank like gins and stuff out of it? That'd be cool. Yeah, I hate hipsters. Well, be honest. well, look in the mirror, guy. What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs>
Let's take your 